complicated. Yeah. But you know Wait, so what? we're at 50 exactly? No, no we're past I it. That's what I said. 50. I was like, oh, you know what makes gosh. me a bit irate? <laughs> you know what makes me... Re- you know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> really grinds my gears. What grinds your gears? When we don't acknowledge... <laughs> These really important things in our lives. Yeah, 50 episodes, David. That's right. five times, five times two. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the director of Faith Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And my name is Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the youth minister. My name is Jackie Pippin, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator. And here we are back again, another week of priming you for your faith discussions with a discussion of the gospel. Um, But before we get into the gospel, we are going to start off with our favorite silly segment Mm. that we start with every week. Oh? A fun game we like to play called George Pan Venn Diagram. As many of you know, Jackie lives in Japan. Uh, and I have a son named George, and so we like to start every week (laughs) (laughs) finding the similarities and differences between George Tremaine, my three-month-old son, and the nation of Japan, where Jackie lives. It has nothing to do with the gospel. No. It is a total uh, non-sequitur. It's tangential. It's not even tangential. It's not even connected no. in any way. Completely disjointed. <laughs> but it's it's fun. So every week, Jackie or Maya provide a Japan fact, and then I find a fact that pertains to George uh, to match that Japan fact. See if we mm. can find the overlap in the George Pan Venn diagram. We run it by the judges. And then it obviously goes to the judges. Yeah, right. the judges have to have a say. Otherwise, how would we know if we win or not? Mm-hmm. So Jackie has the Japan fact for today as she is currently in Japan. Mm. Where she lives. Oh. <laughs> I do have her Japan fact today. My Japan fact is about square watermelons. Mm. Uh, that are watermelons grown into the shape of a cube. Oh. Uh, these uh, were intended to fit more compactly in fridges and be able to cut more easily without rolling. Mm. And they were invented by oh. graphic designer Tomoyuki Ono in 1978 when she presented the watermelons in Ginza, Tokyo. That's true innovation. She applied for and received a patent in the United States for it. Interesting. Mm. However, the downside is that these... Not the downside. The downside is that they're incredibly expensive. Uh, They cost two to three times a normal watermelon and about $83 on average. What? But the so melons to like forty dollars. Yeah, a normal watermelon. Uh. Uh, yeah, about thirty. It's pretty expensive. That's disgusting. Um, but the watermelons to get their shape are grown in boxes uh, oh. and assume oh. the shape of the container. Cool. Mm. So that's so interesting um, because because. <laughs> 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 because Oh, uh, I don't know if you know this, oh. if you all know this, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I believe it was in Sweden that it started. But uh, to fight rising infant mortality rates in the middle of the 20th century, uh, the Swedish government uh, began sending something called a baby box to every new parent for free. Oh my gosh, it's like a little gift basket. Yeah, but it's and the a box. box. Yeah, the box included 
all the necessary all the necessities for uh, a you know a zero to three month old baby or the a baby in the first year of life. The whole year. Yeah, and so it gave they gave them it had clothes in it, it had bottles, it had diapers and wipes and toys and all these things, books. And the biggest part of the box, the thing that helped with the infant mortality rates the most, was that it's the safest place for a baby to sleep. Wait, what's the safest place? A a baby on its back, wrapped up in in this box, which has very clean-cut 90-degree angle corners. So they it had instructions for how the baby should sleep, and the baby just slept in the box because mm-hmm. the box would come with a small, very thin mattress on the bottom that the that all the other stuff came in. Did it have holes in the box? Well, you don't put the lid on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not moving with the baby. You know, it's not like oh, a file it's not holder. like a grasshopper that no, you, you don't like. You don't put like in a mason jar. Ho- Put the baby in the box, put the lid on it, and like lift it on the <laughs> forklift it into a large wall of other boxes with babies in them. That's what shipping you off to boarding right. school really It's not like the end of Indiana Jones <laughs> where it's just well, a giant crate. David. In a anyway, so we got a baby box for George. And so for the first three months, George slept in a box and grew in said box. Oh. So. Stop. I know. So George spent the beginning of his life growing in a box and a square watermelon in Japan spends its life growing in a box. Yeah, I was like going to say in the ground, that's where it begins it, but you said spends it, so that'll work. So both square watermelons and George have spent time in their growing lives in boxes. Mm. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to throw it to the judges. They seem skeptical. They're miming boxes around them They're and then so shaking skeptical. their heads. <laughs> they're, they're interested by the facts. And mm. it looks like we got one sh- nodding. One One's kind of making that face that's like, uh, I. They're whispering. All right, we got thumbs up from one, two, and all three of them. Yes. So Woo! all three of the judges, particularly the Scandinavian judge. Mm. Fervently have, supported. Have, <laughs> have agreed that that <laughs> is in fact a similarity between George Tremaine Wait, and so how many Japan. judges do we have three? We have three. And one of them Scandinavian. Is one of them Japanese? No. <laughs> Good. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks everybody for for playing. Uh we all are winners again. Uh everyone that listens gets 37 square watermelons i was gonna say that, no that's expensive bro that would be so expensive <laughs> uh, you think we have money for that you can redeem yeah. your watermelons after uh, 47 tremains uh if you look <laughs> under your seat you'll find your prize <laughs> yes you are now a sitting on 37 lint. watermelons so thanks everybody for playing uh well, that was just a great one i think that was, really that was a highlight of the george that was Panda one of our right best there. ones yeah and mm-hmm. uh, tune in next week for our next week's episode of George Pan Venn Diagram. And? We'll, when we will try again to find the similarities between George and Japan. But until then, mm. we're going to talk about the gospel. Oh. So, uh, we are in the week of October 28th, which is proper 25 in lectionary cycle year B. 
which is Mark's year. So that's why I've been hearing a lot of Mark. Mm-hmm. Like every week, those Faith to Go resources, which you can find on the Faith to Go website at www.myfaithtogo.org, are all based on the gospel for this Sunday, which is Mark ten forty six to 52. So uh, we are each going to take a moment to highlight a theme from the gospel that you hope you take into your conversations with conversations this week but before we do that jackie is going to read the gospel mark 10 46 to 52 they came to jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving jericho bartimaeus son of timaeus a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside when he heard that it was jesus of nazareth he began to shout out and say jesus son of david have mercy on me Then he sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, so a little bit of context. Uh, this is this story follows right after our gospel from last week, which was James and John asking Jesus to place them at his right and his left hand in glory. Um, so that was Mark ten thirty five to forty five, and this starts at forty six. Also, just for some geographical context. Um, all of this is happening on their way to Jericho, going up, going up to Jerusalem is from Mark ten thirty two. So, this is all happening kind of on this march to Jerusalem. The next story will be Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, mm. and uh, they're in Jericho, which you'll know from the Battle of Jericho. But it is Jericho is still a city in Jesus's day, and it is located kind of north east of Jerusalem, uh, down the hill from Jerusalem, but uh, kind of close to the um, Jordan River. So, uh, they're still on their way to Jerusalem. This is following right after last week's gospel, and I think that Jackie... Mm. No, Maya has Mm -hmm. the first point. Maya's got the first point. I do. So... We, we've seen this a few times, I suppose, about people um, not necessarily confronting Jesus, but, you know, calling out to Jesus, asking for healing. In the Gospels, we've seen it with the woman who's bleeding for 12 years and, and um, Jairus' daughter and all of that, people asking and Jesus for help. But this guy's different because, I mean, he's blind. And so I found his call to Jesus um, particularly compelling because it kind of, I feel like, is the kind of, it says something about how we pray as well um, because, you know, we don't see Jesus and we we don't, we can't talk to him, like, face to face, and so this guy who's blind just knows that Jesus is coming and he's just yelling out and it's not only faith that Jesus will can and will heal him, but faith that Jesus is close enough to hear him mm-hmm. and that Jesus will hear him. Um, and when people order or kind of sternly order him to be quiet, he's like, no. And then he's even louder 
to kind of um, reject that suppression that is being put upon him. So I feel like it is a both what we have to do because we can't see Jesus, but also what we're called to do. So it's like when faced with, I don't know, something that I guess would silence our prayer, just saying it louder because we're, we can't see Jesus. So we have to do what he did, but also doing it fervently and, and still trusting in it, even when we feel like we're being silenced or quieted or like we feel we're doing that to ourselves. I love yeah. the idea that <clears throat> Bart, this blind beggar Bartimaeus is like a stand-in for each one of us. That, mm-hmm. And I, I think that what it makes me think of is this, yeah, that I can't, like I don't, physically see jesus it's hard to it's hard to imagine what jesus looks like in my life often and and it's hard to like know if god is it's hard to feel god's presence sometimes and this guy um only knows that jesus is around because he hears other people saying that jesus is there when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, which to me means that he heard other people talking about Jesus being close right. Like at he hand. didn't hear Jesus; he right. heard. Yeah. So it makes me think of these the times in my life when I felt particularly desolate or like having a hard time seeing where God was moving in my life, and in hearing other like in being in conversation with other people talking about their lives mm. and me being able to see. God moving in their life and me being able to like witness to their sharing of how God is moving in their life. It's helped me see God moving in mine when right. I otherwise or know that he's hard. there so like, and then you can call out to him. Yeah. So it's almost like my ability to do that is bolstered by the community of people around me witnessing themselves, like sharing with me, their mm-hmm. faith helps me um, see where God is moving in my life. That kind of reminds me of the people who told Jesus or told him to get up. Something that you, that, that you kind of just touched on also is, you know, the fact that Bartimaeus is, is blind and how he represents us. And I think that calls us to look at or question the things that we are blind to in our lives. You know, what Mm -hmm. are things that we are deficient in? and that we are lacking and that we need to ask Jesus for healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I love about Bartimaeus though, is that he is, he's not passive. He's very active and he knows he is acknowledging Jesus and just believing in who he truly is. Uh, And because of that, he gains his sight. And this notion that our faith is not something that can be passive um, we can't just believe and then and then sit around because the very notion of believing causes us to need to do more, to need to interact, to need to be reciprocal. Um, and I think that that's also something that's hard. You know, sometimes we want a day off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you you sometimes you don't want to ask for the things that you need. Um, but Jesus, Jesus calls for us to be aware of that, to be aware of what we need and to be aware of the way to ask for it. Um, and, I, and I think that Bartimaeus is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just that notion of, like, Jesus stood there and called him, and Bartimaeus had to do that work to go to Jesus. Exactly. So, like, 
what are the things that Jesus is calling us to do that we aren't sure we want to hmm. get up and move towards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Jesus isn't gonna isn't gonna go isn't gonna do all the work, but he is doing the work of calling him. So it's like he it's not like it's not that Jesus isn't helping at all, but Bart- Bartimaeus is clearly energized by the call. And so, like, there is this two-way back and forth that's happening. And that kind of, that to me goes into what I want to talk about, which is this, the end of this story where uh, he throws throws off his cloak and jumps up and goes to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What what do you want? What do you want? Well, glad you asked. What are you hoping for out of this? Out, you know, what is the outcome you're looking for here? What what do you want me to do? And he says to him, "My teacher, let me see again, or get, get help me, like let me receive my sight." And it jumped out to me because of the gospel from last week, because this is the second gospel, this is the second story in a row, back to back stories where Jesus says to someone, "What is it you want me to do for you?" So last week it was James and John, the sons of Zebedee coming forward to, to Jesus and saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Mm-hmm. And he said to them, what, it, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. So I think there's just this cool juxtaposition of these two incidents in that there's a tying to, and it's tied together with this response from Jesus. You know, Jesus, I said last week about this, that Jesus is meeting them right where they are. Like, Jesus doesn't say, how dare you ask me that? He doesn't say, okay, yeah, you can have whatever you want. He says, what, what is it you want? What would you like me to do for you? Again, that it's an indicative to me of the fact that what we're looking for here is relationship. You know, what mm. happens when Jesus, when people go to Jesus is that Jesus doesn't do whatever they want. There's like a relationship that ends up being the healing thing. Mm. A dialogue, yeah. Right. So it's not... What do you want me to do for you? We want this. Okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. It's like the the beginning or continuation of a conversation. And the same thing happens here, but it's a very different interaction because Bartimaeus isn't like – James and John are so uh, – Entitled. <laughs> entitled. <laughs> James and John are feeling very entitled to what they think what, – what their expectation is for what they're entitled to. They're mm-hmm. very entitled – to their place of privilege and authority that they understand themselves to have. <laughs> yeah, they are. Bartimaeus is kind of the exact opposite. Um, like, w- waiting to be called. Like, they approach Jesus and say, we want you to do something for us. And Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus, calls out to Jesus, calls out to Jesus, and doesn't yell, heal my sight. He just keeps calling out and waiting for Jesus to respond. Right. He doesn't Jesus, get up until he's told. Like right. He doesn't follow Jesus until after he's healed. So he's right. not getting up and being like, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. Right. He's waiting. Yeah. And so Jesus responds to him, and then he goes, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, my teacher, let me see again. And not, not I deserve to see again. Mm-hmm. Not, I can't believe this is happening to me. This should never have happened to me. Right. I'm entitled to my sight. It's, I humbly am here before you asking for healing. Please right. heal me. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, you're healed. Jesus doesn't say, I have healed you. Jesus says, go, your faith 
has healed you. Your faith has made you well. This relationship that we have entered into has done for you the thing that you were seeking. And I also love that um, it says immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Mm-hmm. This idea that our healing, after being, after hearing that call, after witnessing to Jesus's or God's um, movement in our life, and humbly approaching God and asking for healing in that way, and then being healed, like drives us to continue to walk this path. Um, that we've talked about, you know, how, however many right. times before. Because what he's, guess where he's following Jesus to? You Jerusalem. Know? Exactly. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to follow you and everything's going to be great. Like the way is the way to the cross. Mm. You know, and that's about that's what's about to happen in this gospel. Yeah. Is that like the last story before entering Jerusalem is this guy being healed and saying, I have been healed and now I will follow you. And guess where he's following him, you know, and is following him to Jerusalem to rejection and suffering and death and resurrection and new life. You know, we've said that a bunch of times. But, yeah, I just love that. I love the juxtaposition of those two interactions and just what it tells us about um, the way Jesus, the way Jesus is hoping for healing, which is like through humble relating with this in this back and forth that we mm-hmm. see displayed here in this story. Right. Okay, so we have three points that we've made. So number one was Maya's, which was about trusting that Jesus was there when we can't see Jesus and that communal aspect of uh, being aware of God's movement in our lives. Number two was uh, from Jackie, and that was about the actions that we take, the activity of our faith, the Mm -hmm. active nature of our faith, not just being passive observers of it or being able to do just one thing one time, but that our healing and our interaction with God and with Jesus and with one another should drive us to follow Jesus on the way, to to drive us to do something, to go out and do something. Mm -hmm. And then number three was mine uh, about that, that difference between these two interactions from these two gospels and that humility and the way that um, Jesus heals through relationship, in relationship with people, uh, and that Jesus is always looking to be in relationship and find healing through that relationship. So those are our three points. Um, Jackie is going to read the gospel again and see if you hear the gospel a little bit differently after hearing that discussion. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. 
Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. All right. That is our episode for this week. Mm-hmm. We have one announcement to make. <laughs> that uh, yes. Last week was our 50th podcast. Last week. Last week was our 50th Faith to Go podcast. This is our 51st. So we're celebrating a new 50. Over, over 50 The podcasts. next 50. It's 51. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. If anybody's listened to all 50 podcasts, mm. we would love to hear about it. You can write us at faithtogo yeah. at org. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at faithtogo. Check out the website and all those resources at www.myfaithtogo.org where mm-hmm. you can also sign up for our weekly email that goes out every Sunday. And make sure to tune in next week when we'll be back in your podcast feed with the Faith to Go discussion on Proper 26. But until then, we say goodbye and happy new 50. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.